Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast, where we help you get clarity, build skills, enhance your character, curate your environment, take daily massive action, and develop a positive mindset. Join our community by heading over to workwithtimmydouglas.com and get our free book and list of questions that will help you build an impactful and purposeful life. Enjoy the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Pamela Lawson, who is the author of Rise of the Raven Nisha. Pamela, how are you doing? I am doing great. It's five o'clock in the morning. I know. <laughs> on the West Coast here. <laughs> that is, it's 7 a.m. So here. I'm not a morning yeah. person. But other than that, I'm doing great. Oh, I have my strong cup of coffee. You know, we, this, I'm, I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> I am doing great. It's 7 a.m. here, not nearly as early, but still early. Um, so I'm surprised that you're up at five doing this. That is very impressive. Kudos to you. For sure. <laughs> well, awesome. We like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. Well, I was born and raised in Talladega, Alabama. I'm sure you can tell by my wonderful southern accent here. And I have uh, two siblings, sisters, and my parents both died in the same year, not at the same time, but in the same year when I was, I was 11. So my sisters and I were essentially orphans, but uh, one of my father's sisters took us in because she lived the closest to our house. And that enabled us to um, still go to our house after school because our house was right across the road from the school. And so we were still able to 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 stay in our house in a way. And we also had an adult um, whose house we would go to at night. And so that really shaped who I am today. I initially started off with an interest in forensic pathology because of my parents' early deaths. I was that weird little girl at the funeral. Well, 11 is not so little, but I was that weird girl at the funeral asking the funeral director about the embalming process. And I remember him looking at me and going, well, um, and he proceeded to try to explain it in a way, you know, that was age appropriate. And I I just wanted to tell him years later, which I didn't get a chance to do because unfortunately he passed away. I wanted to tell him I did not grow up to be a serial killer. (laughs) (laughs) And I was one of those girls. um, Actually, my mother encouraged my sisters and I to read from an early age. So I've read ever since I can remember. I was reading Frank Yerby and I don't think those were age uh, appropriate books for an 11 year old, but it is what it is. And my mother was a horror fan. So I remember just staying up on Friday nights, watching the creature feature shows with her and being scared out of my head. But, um, so that, um, it was, it was a great life, I have to admit, uh, up until the moment that they died. So I attended a de facto segregated school, and somehow I got into UC Berkeley. Mm. I had a cousin who was going at the time, and we, when I, after our parents died, I, the relatives sent us out to California to stay with my father's other siblings for the summer. And I remember walking on the campus and seeing all of these hippies. And I thought, oh, this is so cool. I had never seen anything like that in my life. So that that 
image stayed in my head. And so when it came time to apply for schools, I applied to UC Berkeley and I got in. And my sisters followed. And that's how we all ended out here in California. I, I currently live outside of Sacramento, California. Uh, I got my BA in anthropology. So it was not English. I didn't take any writing courses. Yep. And there's a story to how I ended up writing this book. I think the second question was what I do for recreation. And I I love horses. And when I was in my mid-30s, I started taking horseback riding lessons. I started taking English hunter-jumper lessons. And because I was falling so much over the jumps, I later learned that I have tinnitus, which is ringing in the ear, and it affects my balance. Oh, if only I had known that. Yeah. So I switched to dressage, and that's what I do today. And it's really important for me. I, I try to put that that love of horses in my stories because I want people to know, especially black kids to know that this is fun. It, it, it um, inspires character in you. And it's something that black people do. It's not just something that white people, it's not a white person sport only. Yeah. That's definitely the perception I have of it. <laughs> that was just a white people sport, but it is nice to see that, um, those um i found that they're those are typically misconceptions like every now and then it, it it's pretty accurate but most of the time especially nowadays it's just a misconception through and through yes um, and you said now you do massage dressage dressage i was like <laughs> massage. massage. <laughs> yeah was, that's completely different <laughs> dressage is i don't know if you watch the olympics or but it's when the horses appear to be dancing. That's what most people think of it. But it's really the training of the horse. And they're trained to do these movements. And it looks like sometimes it will look like they're skipping alone. Other times they're elevated and trotting in one spot. Of course, I'm nowhere, nowhere near that level. But I still enjoy it. Because it's really for that type of person who likes to be exact. Because you, they design these tests so you do these movements for instance you do a 20 meter circle and when they mean 20 meter circle they don't mean like 19 and a half meters you know yeah. so, so you really learn to be exact now when they say you do a movement at k then you're supposed to do that movement at k not before k not after k yeah so it's 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 um Oh, what's the word I want to say? It's uh, annoying as all get out, but it's also fun <laughs> because I, I, I'm usually my lessons are going like, damn, uh, I, missed, I missed the letter. Damn, that circle was too wide. <laughs> yeah. I got you. And yet I keep, you know, I'm compelled to keep coming back over and over. And what I really love about writing is that you can do it when you're old. Mm. I mean, I look at Queen Elizabeth. And so that's my my um, inspiration right there. Because I always tell people, if Queen Elizabeth was on horses until she was in her 90s, then I can too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit about what your day-to-day -day looks like. Are you full-time on the author side or do you have other stuff going on? I am full-time on the author side. I um, So Rides of the Ravenisha was published and I am currently working with Voyage Media. 
And uh, after months of collaboration, the lookbook is finally ready. I'm not sure if you're familiar with what that is, but that's the um, the information that a producer will take to production companies when she's uh, doing the pitch for um, adapting the book into a series. And it's been a huge learning process, huge. First thing they did was kind of change my story. <laughs> so I can't tell you how I felt when I read the lines that, uh, I mean, they there were some significant changes. For example, my character, Teddy, his boyfriend is named Gus and he's this black warrior. Uh, but part of the Asoro who's assigned to protect the Ravenesia. And they changed Gus to a uh, white man. Oh. Yes. <laughs> and they took out all of the slavery parts. Oh. Uh, and I was just like, oh my God, that's that's the part of the story. But they said they didn't want to focus on the black trauma. Mm. And so... That's one of your questions, I believe, asked, um, oh, let me see what it was. It was asking what was something that you were willing to do? Let me, oh, what action steps can you take right now to get to your highest priority dream? Mm -hmm. And I wrote, be willing to sacrifice my first series. Um, it's it's going to be a give and take. They are, they they do try to the team. I'm sorry, at Voice Media, they do try to address my concerns, um, and I understand completely where they're going with it. I think they're trying to draw the audience, uh, the people who watch Euphoria, for instance. In my book, Teddy is a college graduate. In their storyline, she's a college student who's in love with Gus, who is the um nefarious slave owners um so he's not he's not the actual slave owner he's a direct descendant of the slave okay. owner so he's Gus's um Rufus's son and he's unaware that his father has been keeping these uh African women warriors prisoners for all of these years Gotcha. And yes, and I, I, I'm going to be interested to see how they're going to do that because in my book, he keeps the reason that they don't shapeshift and eat him is because he has these collars on their necks that if they try to escape, he can kill them, you know, by activating uh, explosives in the collars. And so I think it should be interesting because uh, when I mentioned that, Warriors Media once again said, oh, it's just too, it just reminds people of manacles on slaves' necks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, well, that's the point. Uh-huh. <laughs> the whole point. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, but it's still, it's still exciting. So we shall see. The, the, um, the written part is done. The graphics are done. We finally agree on on the graphics and so I will be excited and um to see the response to um to the story and and see if, if the production company picks it options it and then it's adapted into a series.
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. and I'm also, I don't know how I got roped into this, but I'm working on a memoir. <clears throat> so I don't know how I went from creative writing to a memoir, but it's been, that's, it's been a fascinating process. It's about um, the Indo-Fijians and the Gurmit system, Gurmit system, I'm probably mispronouncing that, but I had no idea that Indians were brought over to Fiji as indentured servants to work in the sh on the sugarcane plantations. And I'm writing this person's uh, story. He's not, um, what is he? I think he, he's a third generation at this point. So I'm going back from his father, grand, when his grandfather came over on the ship along with other Indians thinking they're going to uh, get this great wealth from working in the sugarcane plant um, on the sugarcane plantations, and it's going to be you know easy life. And what I find interesting is that as I gather information about this person's life, he's eighty eight years old now, and he was a, a apparently a permanent educator uh, in Fiji, and so much of their story parallels. Um, the story of rural African-Americans during that era. I'm reading, I read certain things and I thought, oh, I know about kerosene lamps or, and it's talking about pit toilets. And I'm thinking, oh, when I was growing up, I would go to my friends' houses and they had outhouses, you know, yeah. uh, and some people didn't have running water or electricity. And so I really, I really uh, identify with what they had to go through. So that's what I'm doing. I, again, this person who never, ever, ever dreamed about being a writer, I'm, a, I'm writing. <laughs> there we go. I love it. So I have a couple of questions. Tell us a little bit about when Rights of the Ravenisha, what, what's the time setting? Like what year? What's the, give okay. us a picture of the. Okay, it's set in the current year, gotcha. and it spans from the fifteenth um, century to when the women were these um, women warriors of the Dahomey. So think about Amazons, mm -hmm. and I made mine a, a set from the Amazons that we all know, and so. The basic premise is that you have these these women and they're, they, they're off to battle. And when they return to their village, they discover that it's been overtaken by these two brothers. And so they are on the run. And, and the brothers have these Amazon, also these Amazon, you know, women warriors. And so this, my uh, group, they flee to the mountains and there their leader one day is just out hunting and she encounters this dark spirit and so of course she sells her soul and so the women are given great power they um shape shift and into were panthers once a month and they eat humans and so Eventually, their their best friend, the queen, turns on them because she wants everything for herself. And so she tells her friends that if they go to America, because by now we have a slave trade. So if they go to America as slaves, 
she will join them and then the Ravenisha can spread their power to, uh, you know, all over the world. And and that way they're um, following La Panther Norris and that's the, the evil spirit. They're following her orders. So of course the, the, the friends go, they're uh, bought as slaves by the same family, the Honeycutt family. And it just follows over the their their lives over the years because you know they live forever. They it's difficult for them to be killed, but they can be killed. So they go through uh, owner after owner, and over the years, of course, people find out what they really are. And so, um, and I always lose my train of thought. Always, always. So people find out uh, what they really are over the years. And at some point, Rufus comes into the picture and he starts experimenting on them because, you know, people love power. Who who, Uh, who doesn't want to live forever? And of course, they don't don't just meekly go uh, along with everything. Over the years, they've sabotaged the labs, you know, uh, refused to let them draw blood. But what happens is, is that, and this they didn't want to address this either. Um, he rapes them and impregnates them. No. And so then that gives birth to another rise of Ravenisha. And it happens again. So there's kind of an incest thing. But I tried to tell them, that's my story too. My great-grandmother's father was also her mother's father. So, of course, that, that's taken out. That's taken out of the story completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know where Teddy and her sister just um, pop up. But anyways, the, um, so over the years, the women are are now stuck on this plantation because Rufus has figured out how to, to trap them with these collars. And he's taken the middle generation and spirited them away. So these mothers have no idea where their daughters are. So the basic story now focuses on the original generation of Ravenisha and the current generation of today. And things come to a head one day and they decide it's time to break their chains, to break those those out of bondage. It's time to kick Rufus's butt and their so-called best, best friend, Queen Idias butt, or Idias butt. Mm. And so that's where the story begins, is when they've decided they've had it. Enough is enough. And around this time, the new generation is also coming into their powers. And they've been told all of their lives what they are. So it's not a surprise. And they've been training. I have... Um, one warrior woman, she's kind of like the general, think about the woman king type person. And so she's been training them all of their lives and now it's finally happening. Mm-hmm. And of course, Rufus is trying to dig his little claws in even harder now, but the women are not having it. And so that's that's the story. It's about how they, they escape Rufus, they get uh, revenge with Queen Idia. And just it's, it's really a story about uh women's empowerment told yeah. through the lens of these women warriors. 
I gotcha. Yeah. And so my question is, what is making Rufus so strong? Is it just the fact that he has those collars on them or he's leading an army he, of other? He has been, at this point, um, I, I skipped some things because I'm just like, oh, you know, I, I can't tell everything. I gotcha, yeah. But he, he has, because his father was also a scientist. And so it's like these women have been experimented on for centuries at this point. Yeah. And so Rufus has, um, he has some of their powers, for instance, the, the ability to live longer, but he doesn't have everything. Mm. And, and again, his hold on them is that he has their daughters. I got you. Because we know, I mean, I'm sure they could probably find some way to escape, you know, from those collars. <clears throat> uh, hint, hint, a story hint. But <laughs> they, he has their daughters. Yeah. And so we know how mothers feel about their children. They'll do anything, even if it means remaining on this this so-called plantation. Oh, and the story is set in this fictional town in um, Ravenswood, Alabama. Oh. I got you. <laughs> And um, yeah, so and they're basically on what I call it a large preserve, and I did call it uh, plantation, but of course, my voyage people they changed it. it's now a ranch. Mm. <laughs> they took the plantation name away too. Yeah, yeah, and when you talk production company, are you talking like putting it on television, making it a series in that way? Yes, we, we discussed what would be uh, the best way. And I was told that the big screen, you know, the movie would just be, uh, it would just cost too much because we're going back in, in time. And so we're, we're going to target um, TV and uh, streaming. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. There we go. There we go. And so are you currently pitching it or has it already been approved as a series? It has not. We are currently actually neither. We just finished the lookbook, and gotcha. that's what she's going to take with her when to she goes it. out to pitch it. Yes, I just yeah. I don't think people realize too how slowly these wheels turn. I I keep telling people. I hope I'm still alive. Yeah. Well, awesome. Tell us a little bit more about your motivation. What really gets you up and keeps you going every day? And why um, these books? And why these books? You know, I gosh, I think I, I've been lost for many, many years. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I got my degree in um, anthropology. But it soon became apparent when I was in school that... Oof, science, math, that was just not going to be my thing. And it's not because I was dumb or anything, because I excelled in everything else. It's just I didn't have the foundation. There's only so far you can go uh, attending a de facto segregated school. And so I kind of felt like my dreams of becoming a forensic pathologist, they were crushed. And so I kind of floundered. After that, I, I went to, I did a stint in graduate school for uh, anthropology. I worked as an administrative assistant. I was a radiology tech, an ultrasound tech. And none of those things were fulfilling. 
I, I knew that I was the type of person who would never be happy with an office job. I mean, Timothy, I would suffer. I would look at the clock. It would say three o'clock. I'd look again and be like three o three. That was just a, it was torture for me. But again, I never thought about writing. So what happened was is I was uh, at a family reunion in the Poconos, and on a horseback a trail up a horseback ride, and oh, I wanted to canter. I didn't realize that. The horse had been trained Western. Mm. So, of course, I'm asking, well, what's the cue to canter? And she said, oh, just kick him. I kick him. I get off balance because he doesn't go. And then all of a sudden, he goes. He zooms off and I fall. And it's the worst ball ever mm. in my life. Yeah. I, the pain, I mean, I, I am still recuperating. But, of course, you know, I'm still going to get back. So, I still got back <laughs> on horses. But it was just the worst pain ever. And so while I was just in the bed, just missing out on the family reunion, and I'm one of those people, I need to go to the hospital, but I'm just like, I'll go in California because that's where my insurance is. <laughs> 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 and, and so I I just thought, well, what if there were these wear panthers? And, and well, what if there were these women warriors? And what if they shape-shifted into wear panthers and, and they ate people? And, you know, Black Horse, Black Panther was out around that time. and But I didn't want my women warriors to be like, you know, their women warriors. So that's where actually the, the shape-shifting into the Red Panthers came in. And also because I love stories yeah. about, you know, shape-shifters and vampires. And, um, and so when I returned to California, I don't know. It really, I was like a person possessed. I got up every day at seven. I was at the computer and I ripped out that story in three months. And of course, oh, it was a hot mess. It was awful. I had somebody read it and she said, you know, the first thing you need to do is be consistent with your tenses. You're writing stuff. You, I'm just, I'm just, it was kind of like the word vomiting and just getting it all out on the pages. And so that actually began the process of me really learning how to write. And I, I started watching writing uh, series on uh, YouTube, uh, taking classes, you know, uh, little classes online. It's nothing formal. And so and along the way, I decided, oh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to pitch some, try to get an agent just to see what the response will be. So, of course, the responses were all no's. But along the way, I got some people saying, you know, you have a great idea, but you need to get a developmental editor. You have a great story here, but you need to tighten it up some. And so I took their advice to heart. And that's what I did. Of course, by then, you know, I had run out of people. To, to pitch the story to. Yeah. <laughs> so that's when I decided I'm just going to publish this puppy. I know it has issues and but it's a debut novel and I've already completed Rogue Ray Venetia, the second in the series and it's much better as it should be. Yeah. So I, I just look at this as okay, this is what I'm here to do because I wouldn't say I effortlessly effort um 
Leslie wrote the story, but the words did just flow out of me. And I, and finally, my active imag over imagination is, is finally yeah. <laughs> come to the, you know, it's, it's an advantage instead of a disadvantage. And so that's how I, I came about this, the whole thing. Rice, uh, the name Revenetian, the name Revenetia comes from my niece. She used to love that so Raven. She's now 25, but she when she was smaller, she watched that so Raven every day. Yeah. And so one day she told her mother and she said to me, Oh, if I have a girl, I'm gonna name her Ravenisha. And of course we said, Oh no, you are not. <laughs> and that was the end of that. And so later, years late, like 12 years later, I'm sitting at my desk writing and I'm trying to think of a title. For these women warriors and Ravenisha pops into my head. Mm. And you know, I kind of uh laugh at myself because at one point I have um a character in the story asking, her, and where did y'all get that ghetto name anyways? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't take myself too seriously, you know. I, I know that it's it's campy, it's big, it's over the top, but I'm a Marvel movie fan. Yeah. So if it wasn't, you know, just over the top, then where's the fun? Mm -hmm. What? Who? Why? Why would anybody want to read it or or, or see it as a series? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's how I think about things. I gotcha. I love it. It seems like it just kind of, you know, you, you talked about always feeling trapped in that like W two kind of desk job makes so many of us feel trapped they really just got to figure out a way to make the workplace a better place to work honestly <laughs> and I know, but you know what your generation you don't kill me it's like my niece you know she was she works for the uh san francisco museum of modern art and they're supposed to be back in the office now uh -huh. but she said she's not going oh. she'll go in on the day she wants to go in because they were doing just fine you know when they <laughs> Yeah. COVID <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. A lot of us are like that now. I um I just accepted another job and it'll be in person and I haven't been in person ever. I've never worked an in person job. You're kidding. <laughs> no, because I'm so I just turned twenty four yesterday. Uh so I was in college when COVID hit. And so when I was coming into the job market, remote work was a very Oh, normal thing. <laughs> oh, I, well, you know what? Good luck. I, I hope you know. And this, some people really enjoy being in that environment and talking to their colleagues. And yeah, I don't. No, but it was just. <laughs> no, but what I do enjoy, I enjoy a good team. I enjoy being around people who are success focused, and mm -hmm. I'll be learning stuff that will help me do what I'm trying to do. And so oh, I'll, I'll like those couple things, but. Uh, I also have just problem with authority a little bit. Like I don't like people telling me I have to do something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I feel too. Yeah. Even <laughs> if I have to do it, even if it really needs to be done, the fact that somebody told me to do it just really grinds my gears. Yeah. And so and having to be someplace just from say eight to five. Yep. Even though your work is done, you still yep. have to stay there because you know your hours are eight to five. It doesn't matter if you're scrolling on the computer and Literally. looking at that clock, looking at the time, 4.58, 4.59, 4.59, 4.59, 4.59, 4.59, 4.59, 4.59, 4.59, 4.59, 4.59, 4.59, 4.59, 4.59, 4.59, 4.59,
four fifty nine. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah, but I, but like I say, you know, some people like it. You you might like it. Maybe. <laughs> but I will I will like the dude's a beast of an entrepreneur and I plan on being an entrepreneur. And so there are many things I will like about it. It's just yes. the in-person set time schedule probably isn't the most thing that's up my alley. But you know, it is what if I if I'm staying busy and I'm not just on my phone at two PM from two to five because mm-hmm. I have no more work to do, mm-hmm. I'll be good. But if it does end up that I'm not I don't have enough stuff to do, that would be that would be another story. But I don't think it'll be that way. So I think we'll be solid. Just my first time being in person. So Oh my goodness. That is unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. It I will say it is the most ideal job I could have. Ultimately I want to be an entrepreneur, yeah. but mm-hmm. it's the most ideal job I could have if I had to have a job. So there you go. That's that's great. There we go. Wow, so you have an interest in it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so yes, it's not something where you're just like, ah, I'm going to take this job because now this is all I can get. You know, you really sound like it's something that you want to do. So that is actually great right there. Yep. Just got to keep the perspective right. Keep my attitude mm-hmm. good. Um, well, awesome. Let's jump into your dreams and goals. What's your vision for the book and your life? My envision um, is it would be really great if it if the book was uh, adapted into a series um, because even though you know they are going to change everything, it's still going to be written by whoever writes uh, does the screenwriting, but based on the novel by P. Grace Lawson. So for me. That's wonderful because I am not a social media person. I had a social media manager, but I couldn't have the manager and work with Voyage Media. So I haven't, I am not on social media. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's why I'm willing to take this chance. I will be willing to give up certain aspects of the book. And I figure if it's if the series is popular, people will go and they'll read the book. Yeah. And so I, um, my goal is to uh, complete the series. It looks like I will be writing memoirs for a bit as well because the person thinks that I he may have three more for me to write. Oh, wow. So, but my ideal day, frankly, would be getting up, uh, going to my writing lesson on my horse and coming home, maybe uh, doing a bit of exercise and then sitting down and writing for the rest of the day and getting up the next day and doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, with a little travel sprinkled in, I, I admit I, I love uh, going to the wineries and doing the wine tasting and, and spas, getting mud baths. Um, so, you know, I, I always ask myself how, I just don't understand how I ended up like in this, is this life here? Yeah. <laughs> so that's what motivates me really is to be able to, to live that sort of life, um, while I can still walk and climb on a horse, you know, 
I, 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 I'm not uh, demented or anything. So it's, it's to, to be able to just really live, live the life that I would like to live and on my terms. I love it. And I'm just curious because there might be some aspiring authors listening to this right now who want to take the leap but are scared about doing it financially. So did your book take off such that you produce enough cash flow from it to live life on your terms? Or did you save and invest well from past things that you did? Or how's that working? Oh, of course not. It does just no. You I um made some money. But it's really difficult if you're not, uh, if you don't have a following, mm -hmm. a social media following. So I I have uh, someone uh, who invested in me. Oh, my there sister. we go. It's my sister. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> I will say that it's super duper duper expensive. Mm. I mean... Is I will give a, a hint. I think oh, the author who wrote, uh, what is it, Blood and Bone? Have you heard about that book? Um, let me. Um, well, anyways, I won't uh, spend time looking it up. I think she got a thirty thousand dollar advance. So, um, that's how much I've spent. I got you. Mm hmm. Yeah, with the editing and um, getting it um, formatted and, and, you know, the covers, uh, flying to places to promote the book. Yeah. So I would say don't let that be a deterrent. And of course, everybody says that because you could always find a way. You could be one of those people, you you have a huge social media following. And so you don't have to do um, all of the things that I've done. You know, I have a lot of promotional things. I have my t-shirts and mugs. And so all of that stuff, you know, it, it is it is expensive. And you don't have to go through. I, I've done it both ways. I um, went through people on a site called Readsy. And it's a huge website. They help aspiring artists. They have marketing people, people who design covers, uh, all of the editing that you need to have done. People don't even realize that you need an editorial um, edit. Um, then you need a developmental edit. The book has to be copy edited. And so this is it's very, very expensive. But... I feel it's worth it because you want to put out something that's professional. You want to put out the best work that you can. Again, you don't have to go through Reetsy. I also discovered Fiverr. Mm -hmm. And so I found people who charged much, much, much less on Fiverr. So there's a whole lot of things. There's a lot you can do. Um, you don't have to go the, the route that I did. And the best thing to do is to, I think, to check out sites like Reetsy. Um, I was going to say join some sites 
off Facebook. <laughs> Unfortunately, you did. Well, actually, no, it, it is helpful because it's nothing but authors, you know, and they're all trying to promote their book. But you have people on those sites asking questions. Well, how did you get an editor? Or I just finished my, my book. What's the next step, you know, to do? So the thing is, and especially for this generation, y'all online anyways. So yeah, I would yeah. say get online and, and just start looking up stuff and always um, work on your craft. The The main thing is you is to write, to write a little bit every day. Mm. I gotcha. Mm -hmm. Well, awesome. What are the top one to two skills that you need to develop right now to make these dreams and goals continue to come true? I need to be, I need to develop a, a stick skin. That's one of them. Um, as an introverted person, and I think most writers are, mm -hmm. you you really do have to learn to to not be an introverted person. For example, here I am talking to you on a podcast. I mean, there was a time when. I, you, I was not going to get out the house and talk to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really has made me, I guess, kind of blossom in a way. So, and when I say I have a thick skin, I also mean that you're going to get negative comments. Just be ready for it. It's for sure. going to happen. And at first I was crushed, but then... I started reading reviews of some of the authors that I love to read. And I noticed, oh, shoot, they have negative reviews. And some of the stuff, what people say is true. So that really just opened my eyes when I, I saw that. And I think the second thing I need to learn to do at this stage in my um, career is I, I need to learn the legal side of things mm. this is really um i had to learn about uh the publishing side then i had to learn marketing and so now i, I need to learn the legal um aspects because i i, I think i'm gonna need a an entertainment attorney at some point oh wow yeah and i'm just curious when when you get your book adapted into a series, do you get royalties at all on the series? You do, but that is all, for instance, how much you get. And, oh, I will tell aspiring uh, authors now who want to their books adapted, you are not going to be up here uh, making any suggestions about who you want to play, which character, yeah. <laughs> or anything. The best you can do is to ask to be a consultant. Mm. I got you. And then they will either uh, take your suggestions or not. Mm. So just, just know that that's coming, you know, when you get to be, say, a Stephen King or um, I look at somebody, uh, the author who wrote Bones, Kathy Reichs, then or James Patterson, then you can, you know, offer suggestions, but you can be a producer, uh, you know, on the series and 
you can make a casting suggestions. But when you're starting out, oh no, yeah. oh no, you, <laughs> I don't even have control over my uh, my story now. Oh, yeah. and I made my one of the main characters that changed them from black to white. So, oh, yeah, that's that's um, and it depends on your goals. Again, if you if your goal is just to have your book published to say, oh, I have a published book, then that's fine. But if your goal is um, to get it out there to to have it uh, adapted into a series, then you're going to have to be flexible and compromise. Mm. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Well, awesome. I mean, until you get to be at a point at the point where you can finance it yourself and all of that, yeah, flexible mm -hmm. compromise. <laughs> yeah, as much as the story is needed, the money typically has the power. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, what character trait do you most need to develop right now to make your dream life come true? Oh boy. Oh, that was a tough one. Uh character trait. I need to I need to be tenacious. Sometimes I want to give up. Oh, don't and worry. you know, because it's hard. And, and you do have people when you write, you're bearing your soul. And some people will, they can be really mean. Yeah. And so um, the main thing is, is to not give up. I know it's a cliche, but it's really true. Because if you give up, then whew, nobody's ever going to see what you've written or, or you're never going to reach your goals. And so that's what I, I have to keep reminding myself. Is I have to, I have to keep trying. I have to keep going. I I've come too far, you know, not to give up now. Yeah. And it's really hard for me because I'm kind of like a pessimistic person. So I I need to develop optimism. I need to be that the glass is half full sort of person instead of half empty. <laughs> I got you. Have you ever read The Power of Positive Thinking? Oh no, I have not. I've heard of it, but no, I have not. Mm, it's a pretty good book. It's a pretty good book. Okay, I guess I need to add that to my books to read. Yeah. Bump, bump it up there. But I do he, believe that absolutely. Yeah, he has this one. He has this one sentence in there. Are you Christian or no? You know, I I grew up in the South. I mean, how can I not be? But I, I'm one of those people. I'm just like, I don't believe there's sky people, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People in the sky. <laughs> I got you. I was just, I was just asking because he quotes a lot of scripture. And if that would turn you off, then you don't need to read the book. But if yeah, you're open, no, no, I'm not that type. Yeah. Cool. Well, if you're open to hearing scripture and then hearing the wisdom that may come from it, uh, you can read the book. That's that's the only reason I'm asking. Yes, I didn't so, want to yeah. send you something that was gonna trigger you for like a, a oh, month. No, 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 no. Um but yeah, he has this one sentence in there and he says, try to be nothing but optimistic for one week. Just be positive and overly positive about everything in your world. And you'll find that at the end of your week, your optimism was realism and your realism 
was pessimism. And he just talks about the fact that our thinking influences our life so much. You yes, know, when you, when you call yourself a pessimistic person, bad more bad things tend to happen because you tend to recognize them more. Or if you say you're being realistic, it's probably a form of pessimism because you're trying to protect yourself. And the more optimistic you are, the more you create a positive reality is what he was talking about. And so, yeah, just a, it was a really good line to me. And um, I am definitely, what's the title again? The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman okay. Vincent Peale. Yes, I I will definitely do that. I can't believe you can just you could just do that quote just like that. I'm so <laughs> awful. I don't know any porn. <laughs> can't quote anything. No, yeah, you're all. It wasn't. It definitely wasn't a firm quote, but that was the idea of the quote, and so it just, it just had such an impact on me. You know, I can. I think I can talk about one other story from that book. No, two other stories, but. You know, there's like 200 something pages. So <laughs> a lot fell through the cracks there. Yeah, but still, still that one thing. So yeah. Yes. For sure. Well, we got young one last brain. Oh, What's up? I said it's because we have a young brain. Oh, yes. Yes, exactly. Um, well, if there were one or two people you could meet right now, and this could be a specific person or a type of person, and they'd really help you take that next step towards your dreams and goals, who would they be and how would they help? Oh, no, I could not answer that. Mm. I, I read so many. Um, but actually, your question is not uh, if I could had to choose one book or my favorite book. But I felt found that I couldn't answer that um, just because there are just so, so, so many great books. But your question right now is slightly different. It's if I could read. If you could meet a person right now. Oh, and they'd help you take that next step towards your dreams and goals. Who would that person be and how would they help you? Oh, boy. That's still hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say... I'm going to say... Jay-Z. Jay-Z. Oh. I know that's so strange for you, but you know, I I I really love the harder they fall, mm. and so if I could meet him, I would be like, "Look, Casey, I have this book here, and I really like what you did with the harder they fall, and if you could just get the same, you know, director and the people doing the music, I think we have a hit." <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. Um, there's this book called Giftology and it's a good book. It talks about marketing and it talks about how to market to famous people like Jay-Z. And there might be a way that you can get your book into Jay-Z's hands using one of the methods in the book called Giftology. Write that down too. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Re really great book. Just yeah. a fount of information here. Yeah, yeah. And um, if you go into any of the show notes of my recent podcast, probably like the past 10 or 15, you mm -hmm. there's this link. It's called How to Meet Anybody with Steve Bazogany. Steve Bazogany came on my show and he claimed that he could help anybody in the world meet anybody else. 
he can get you an introduction. And he does that through a unique gifting method, which is based on that book, Giftology. So might be a way for you to meet Jay-Z between listening to that podcast episode and talking to Steve Bazzagini and also reading Giftology. I know. <laughs> but that's like, what is that? Uh, probably three hours cumulative if you read the whole book and listen to the podcast episode and then you'll be able to decide whether or not it's something you should go with well do thank you of course of course happy to help hope it hope you meet jay-z if you do introduce me as well (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, i just want to have him on the podcast of course i'll drop your name there we go there we go i was talking to timothy douglas and he recommended that Awesome. Well, Pamela, um, yeah, we're, we're pretty much out of time. So I think we're just going to end it right there. Thanks so okay. much for coming on the show. Thank you. Of it was course. nice talking to you. Is there anything else you want to chat about before we sign off? That is, oh, you know, my book is on Amazon. I try to support my local bookstores called The Seated at the Table. They also have it. Um, and if anyone uh, ordered from them and they wanted a signed copy, you know, just let them know and I'll just it down to the store and sign it and you can also check out my uh what i'm doing i, I know i just, just said i'm not on social media but i am i'm on social media, <laughs> all of the social media sites facebook and i have my website it's uh pgracelawson.com gotcha gotcha well awesome if you guys are listening to this and you loved what pamela had to say loved her energy loved the idea of her book and happened to know jay-z But if you don't know Jay-Z, still check her out. Check out the links. Buy a book. Make sure to review it. People who create love to get reviews for the stuff that they create. So review it. Give her feedback. Hit her up. Buy a copy for you. Buy a copy for your friend. And then everybody send a copy to Jay-Z. Thank you guys so much for listening. (laughs) We will see you on the next one. And on that note, we're out. Hey there, thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to leave a review and send it to a friend. Don't forget, head over to workwithtimmydouglas.com to get your list of life-changing questions and our free book, Impact Ignition, Live a Purposeful Life. See you tomorrow for another show.